Hello, race fans, and welcome to the Gravity Cooperative's Hot Seat Podcast, your home for the people and stories that fuel U.S. downhill racing. We are the crew that bring you the downhill race replay shows from top races across North and Central America. I'm your co-host, Will Washam, and I am joined again by your other co-host, Drew Hager. Drew, what's happening, man? Not a whole lot, Will. I'm doing good. I hope that you are as well. Doing very well. Had a fun weekend at home with baby Shyla. It was just uh, dad and daughter this weekend because Caroline, my wife, was up at Ray's MTB in Cleveland for their annual women's weekend, which made its comeback post-pandemic. Heck yeah, that's awesome. I'm glad to hear that she made that. Yeah, Caroline had an awesome time. There's this sorority of women that are coaches at that event, and they're just all major badass bike riders. So they have a great time when they're able to get together, and they got some free riding in as well. So I know there were tons of lady trains happening up in Cleveland this weekend. Yesterday, our producer, the Mangler, dragged me out of the house and took me for a ride. Another pedal on the new bike, and it continues to impress me. Glad to get out of the house and... uh Glad to keep getting that thing dialed in. That's good to hear, my friend. Uh, Yeah, the weather's been uh, rather nice here in the southeast. Doesn't matter if you're in the mountains or down in the flatlands, but it's been a mild start to February. I think things might crisp up a little bit, but uh, I'm okay with some some colder weather. We are still in February. Yeah, we were rocking short sleeve shirts yesterday for sure. It was great. Hopefully, we do get some more cold weather so that it you know that cold snap's going to kill off all the bugs. And uh, kind of reset us back to zero come springtime. Maybe try to get some of that kudzu, keep it at bay at Windrock so it doesn't start growing too early this season. Right. Well, it's been perfect weather for digging in the dirt. And I've been watching Instagram and it looks like there's been some pretty serious track modifications happening at Ride Rock Creek in western North Carolina to continue to tweak their Stampede Pro course in preparations for the Monster Energy Pro Downhill Series in April and, of course, National Championships in July. Drew, looks like Nico's been on the tools uh, with the crew pretty hot and heavy. Yeah, social media accounts are kind of showing what's going on there. It looks excellent. I can't wait to actually get out there and see it in person, which I'm kind of planning on doing this coming weekend uh, if the weather cooperates. But yeah, dude, I mean, can't have, uh, even though the, the national championships are in the same location for two years in a row typically, it's super nice to have a nice change up in, in the terrain and in the racetrack for the people that are coming out to see it. Yeah, it really is. And if you are going out there this weekend, I was thinking about going out there too. So uh, we should link up for a couple laps. Yeah, holler at me, dude. Sweet. Yeah, and I'll say I was inspired to ride some downhill seeing clips from the DH1 race in Guatemala, uh, which looked absolutely epic. The track looked super gnarly. You got to do a little riding at that venue, didn't you, Drew? Yeah, that venue's spectacular. You're riding through old coffee groves up the side of hill that the the dirt's volcanic ash it's very unique terrain i can't really describe it or compare it to anything differently but uh yeah i got to spend about three days riding there after the guatemala open in december and we got to see some of the preparations they were doing for this race at that point in time uh lupo one of the one of the 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 main guys there His background is actually in designing and shaping golf courses. So he knows a lot about 
terrain and and how to use it in fluid dynamics and operating machinery super cool to see what they did with that course and uh it's pretty cool to see some of our american dudes down there representing too yeah and that's really interesting that they've got a background in golf course grading and I mean, it makes sense because they have moved a lot of dirt. Uh, you can follow them on Instagram at dh underscore one, and they got some great clips from the weekend. And Drew, as you mentioned, we had some uh, U.S. downhill racers out there. Um, I'll start with the elite women's field because Valentina Roa Sanchez from Transition Factory Racing. We had George, their team manager, on last episode, and Valentina down there um, in her kind of home area. Uh, she's from Colombia, and this was in Central America, but uh, she showed up and took the win in Elite Women's with a 3.36, just over four seconds ahead of Frida Ronning, who is on the Union team again this year, of course based out of Windrock. Uh, Mariana Salazar was in third with a 4.17, the Honduran. Uh, Ariana Soto, who was at the Costa Rica Open in December, you can catch her race run on the Gravity Co-op's YouTube channel. She rounded out that field in fourth place with a 436. And in the pro men's, no surprise, Drew, Mondraker Factory Racing was in the house. They brought the whole squad. And Dakota Norton, what would you know, came out on top with a 254. Ronan Dunn, the Irishman, uh, was getting a little tan in Central America, and he was second place on the podium, less than four seconds back from his teammate in a 258. And then Pablo Aguilar Omodeo, uh, the Central American. I know he had to be so stoked to be up there on the podium in third place. Drew, I remember being at the Tennessee National years back, 2016, 17, 18, when we had some big uh, heavy hitter international riders there, Danny Hart, uh, Loris Vergier, Greg Menard. And to see some of the local boys up there on the podium with the international riders, that just gave me uh, such a high. So I know Pablo and all the Central Americans had to be fired up to see one of their riders up there on the podium with the factory boys. Yeah, for sure. Those dudes have so much passion for the sport. And like I've said in previous episodes, I really do think that Central America is ripe to be the next hotbed of activity for downhill. But man, uh, tell me about what happened to the other Mondraker team rider. I thought uh, Ryan Pinkerton laid down a heater in qualifying. Well, he did. Yeah, the youngest member of the Mondraker factory squad, Ryan Pinkerton, was second place in qualifying. Unfortunately, got a flat in his race run, so he was down the results sheet. Um, and you can actually see an Instagram story clip. It might it might go away by the time this podcast is released, but I saw the section of track where he got a flat tire, and man, he was uh, absolutely moving, super pinned. So uh, the speed is obviously there from Ryan Pinkerton, and that's our guest this week on the Gravity Co-op's hot seat. And Ryan is our very first World Cup overall winner to get on to the podcast. So I'm really fired up about this interview. Drew, let's go over and hear from Mondraker Factory Racing's Ryan Pinkerton. All right, I can't wait to listen to this. Well, I'm here today with a rider who's a cornerstone of our U.S. downhill future, and the future's now. He's a four-time junior downhill national champion, four-time junior men's World Cup downhill race winner, and the 2023 Junior Men's World Cup Downhill Overall Champion, Ryan Pinkerton. Ryan, what's up, man? Welcome to the Gravity Cooperative's Hot Seat Podcast. How are you? Doing good. Very good. And I'm happy to be on here. 
Well, that's quite a resume for a young man. That's, yeah, thank uh, you. <laughs> oh, you're welcome, man. It's quite a resume for a guy who's going into his uh, uh, 19-year-old racing age season. Is that correct? Yeah, first year elite. Well, yeah, so tell everybody uh, who you are, where you're from, and who you are racing for this season. So, like you said, my name is Ryan Pinkerton, and I'm from Southern California. I live in Orange County, and I'm racing for uh, Mondraker Factory Racing, a brand new team with some great teammates, so I'm ready for the season. Yes, yeah, I can't wait to get into those details. Uh, before we do, though, I got to ask, what's January like in SoCal for a professional downhill racer? Well, a lot of, normally it's really dry, but recently it's been r raining like every day. We got a lot of rain this week, but the trails still are like really good. I just got done shuttling today, so you can we can ride all the time, so that's perfect. Sick. So what uh, what kind of trails and tracks are you riding these days? So I'll ride a lot in Laguna, and those are like really fast. You can get steep, fast, rocky. But then there's also a trail called Crestline that a lot of people will go to. It's not. I would say it's a really good training track. Not very the widest, but it's really good for me. And I love it. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I've seen so many videos over the years of like those great Laguna tracks is, um, man, I don't know what the name of the trail is, but it's like, it's one I used to see in Aaron Gwynn videos and I see it in everybody's, uh, videos from that area of the country. I think Valley Hall was on it recently. What's that oh, track that's called? that's probably Crestline if it's in the trees. Yeah. In the trees. Yeah. That's Crestline. Just like big compressions, like some fadeaway rock drops, yeah, like yeah, good dirt. Really good. Especially right now. Nice. Well, who have you been riding with? So normally, I well, I train with Brian Lopes. He's my gym trainer and bike coach. But as of right now, I ride with one of my good buddies, Colin McKellia and Austin Dooley. They're my two main shuttle riders, and I train with Colin too. So I'm just basically just spending all my time riding with them. Nice. And those are uh, some pretty quick training partners. Yes. And Austin right now, he's going really fast. So it's he's definitely one to watch out for. Are you guys part of the SoCal speed team? Um, I would consider it, yeah. <laughs> nice. Us, Colin, Austin, I definitely, yeah, I'd consider we are. Yeah, I mean, I remember like when Charlie Harrison was coming up as a junior, the the SoCal speed team mm -hmm. squad was lit. Yeah, they just started like kind of like revamping it, I'd say. Like it's now like becoming a thing again, which is cool. Nice. I heard there's a new shuttle downhill park in your neck of the woods maybe like an hour and a half away from yeah, where you're I, at I think have you been there it's in san diego or near there but i haven't been yet i've seen videos of it and it looks really cool and fun but i haven't been yet nice yeah i think that a guy that i actually know from north carolina from back in the day he lives in california now but his name's steve ford i'm pretty sure he's involved in that it's like Loseno mountain bike park yeah so yeah it's like a little north carolina connection over there yeah i know yeah it looks really fun I haven't been, we actually kind of talked about going, but we just, I haven't made my way over there yet. Well, let's dive straight into the big news of the day on your front, and that is your new team for 2024, Mondraker Factory Racing. You'll be riding alongside Ronan Dunn and fellow American Dakota Norton. So what has you most excited about the new team? Is it the bike, the teammates, the new factory program from Mondraker, or all the above? It's really all the above like it's such a great program i remember meeting with jorge back in ludenville and just hearing all about it it was just so cool and having ronan who's really fast like learning for, like just learning basically the speed and then dakota who's also really fast but he is he's one of the smartest riders i've ever met 
like just listening to him talking about the bike and how like the setup is so cool to learn all that. So I think it'll be a really good year. Do you have any plans on the calendar already to go out to Tennessee and get some riding game with Dakota? Yes, uh, I'm gonna do the national, but it's Monday we're all going to Guatemala for a race. So it'll be really fun to ride and just race and see how we do. Oh yeah, down in Central America, the Costa Rica Open. Yeah. Well, no, there's there's Guatemala, and then a week after there's coast the Costa Rica Open, but I won't be doing that one. Oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. I think it was the Costa Rica Open. I went in 2021. Yes, yeah, I saw that on the Roots and Rain. How was that? Um, it was fun, but it was like every day the most rain I've ever seen on track. It was wow, crazy. <laughs> it is kind of a rainforest, isn't it? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, going back to the new Mondraker program, how many years are you signed um, with them going into your elite season? I have a two plus one contract, so two years and then uh, maybe one year. But So I think for me that's good because it kind of off the first year kind of leaves a little less pressure, like just kind of learn and then really prepare for the second year. But I'm still aiming for the first year to try and do some things. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, how do you think that the junior racing being broadcast last year helped kind of raise your profile? Like when you were looking for teams moving to elite, do you think that helped kind of give the juniors more recognition? Yeah, for sure. Cause like people can actually see, like if you're not at the races, like how fast we're going, cause our times are not that far off to elite sometimes. And before like people just knew of like Jackson and Jordan, cause they were just obviously the top two, but like this year, like so many more juniors came up and you got to really see the speed of everyone. And I think that helps a lot. Yeah, it did. It, it was super fun. Um, like being a super fan of racing, um, like I am. Yeah. Like I, I, I know these folks and you know, especially the U S riders, I get to see them and like, I get to see them grow up like you. I've, I've seen you at all these national championships, Yeah. but I would never get to see you guys at the races unless it was snowshoe. But yeah, I had a blast following along. And yeah, like you said, there's like a whole cast of characters now. It's just not one or two guys. Exactly. And a lot of times before, just like whoever had the biggest Instagram following and if they were fast, then you got to see them. But now everyone gets shown on the on the broadcast, which is sick. Yeah, we uh, actually had a local boy from... So I live in Mooresville, North Carolina, which is north of Charlotte. Charlotte's the largest city in North Carolina. It's like an hour and a half from the mountains. So it's kind of in just the little rolling hills. Yeah. But um, his name's Austin Hazley, junior out of Mooresville. I ride with him all the time. But he qualified into the World Cup. Oh, uh, I, think was, I think he was 24th. It's Snowshoe. And, yeah, it's Snowshoe. Right, yeah. And he got his whole run broadcasted. It was so awesome. Yeah, that's sick. I know. I remember, like, I always be bummed because even when I, like, qualify first, they wouldn't get my whole entire run. And I was, like, always wanted them to just get my entire run. <laughs> well, Austin kind of lucked out because um, – Austin Sansusi was was first on track, but Sansusi crashed. Aww. And so they ended up not even being able to show any of Sansusi because they kind of delayed the start. Yeah. But then they popped back up to Austin Hazley, and he got his entire run broadcast. Like, he got kind of lucky. That first person to go gets the most airtime sometimes. I know. And it's like sometimes, like, when, like, the full run isn't broadcasted, people gain time, but you can't see where they gained it. So, like... When you can really see the sections, I think it really adds to it. Yeah, stoked to continue to see that. And I, I want to go back and talk about some up-and-coming juniors later on because we're going to get to see them on the broadcast oh, yeah. um, in 24. But, um, man, you had a great two years on GT Factory Racing. Oh, yeah. It looked like Amazing. you guys had a blast. Like, what are some of the, the key things you learned from your teammates um, and the leadership of that GT Factory Racing program? Well, one of the big things I learned is, I mean, I've always trained. 
but I kind of learned I had to kind of train harder, like really go to the gym and like kind of focus on training if I really wanted to try and win. And they really taught me that. And I kind of just, I don't know, just learning like the pace of racing and not overdoing it. It was a really good team for basically everything. But I think the main thing I learned or what they helped me with is they didn't put a lot of pressure on me versus like some other teams are very like they if you don't win they're not happy Mm. so gt was just very fun and obviously if i didn't do good they probably weren't the happiest but they didn't like oh you have to win this race which really helped a lot nice nice that's awesome yeah and i mean having win masters on your team that's got to bring a lot of fun to the table oh yeah he's he's very outgoing about everything he does it's he's hilarious well, when you look back on those two years, um, let, let's wind the clock back. Let's say you told 17-year-old Ryan before your first race on GT Factory Racing that you would have the level of success you did. Like, Would you believe it? Probably not because I didn't believe it even at the start of this year. <laughs> like going in the, After the first couple of World Cups, I didn't think what I ended up doing would have been possible. Yeah. Oh, man. That's awesome. Well... What what are some good memories and times that you had with the GT factory racing crew, like outside of the success at the races? Well, I remember one time, this is my first ever like team camp with them before Lords and we're just testing and I come down from a run and I think this was at the end of the day and I go to look for my shoes and my mechanic put like super glue between them and he put a sprinter van on top of it for the whole entire run. So I came down and my shoes were just glued together. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit of hazing for the junior. Yeah. But it was, it was just really funny, but yeah, they just have a bunch of stuff like that. I I can't exactly like remember like certain things because there's just so much, but I remember another time I I did an enduro race for the first time. And this is, I went, I don't know. I was from Leo gang of 2022 there we didn't i didn't have access to a washer dryer for a couple weeks so like my suitcase did not smell the way it should smell so i went to take a shower and when put my bag of clothes on the roof (laughs) that's classic (laughs) yeah so i had to get that down which was interesting but yeah there's a lot of things that were just super funny did you get him back like whether yeah i did i i had to climb on someone's shoulders and then like bring him down Cause it wasn't like a super big house. It's just like a small little one, but it was, it was funny. So did you ever try to prank win or like prank the other people no. on your team? No, because I didn't want anything for them to do anything. Worse <laughs> the retaliation me. wasn't worth <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah. Not at all. <laughs> oh man. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I had some good times with Wynn at the after party at the snowshoe world cup. Oh, um, he, he likes to get after it. <laughs> yeah. It might even been before you were a junior and maybe it was i think it was 2021 in the in the tent you know dj's going all oh, of a sudden yeah. i see a large <laughs> man at the top of the pole that's holding up the tent i mean it's not meant to hold yeah, much weight massive. and he's a large man and he's up there yeah like you know one hand on the pole <laughs> other hand fist bumping that seems like him and i mean i think he he crowd surfed for like 45 minutes and i was feeling sorry for the crowd because they were holding him up yeah, he's he's not a small man. <laughs> That's <anyway>. for sure. <laughs> oh man. Well, uh, let's wind the clock way back. Um, okay. Because I want to hear, yeah, kind of how you started getting into downhill racing. 
was mountain biking like always one of your main athletic activities growing up well, or were you into other sports so i grew up always like dirt biking and stuff but i used to race bmx when i was younger just for like a year or two and then i would always go to the skate park with my fam like my bro- stepbrothers and my dad and i remember my stepbrother just started riding so i was just like why not it looks fun we'll just get into it and then my mom got me like a diamond back for christmas one year and then it's slowly just kind of and then i got to specialize and started racing cross country nice so it kind of just like kind of just because my stepbrother started so if it probably wasn't for him then i may have not got into it that's cool that's cool i always love looking back yeah in like in my life and seeing those little moments like man if that was a little different my path could have completely changed. Yeah. And then I got in the downhill because we went to Mammoth one year and I had so much fun, like just on like a rental intense tracer. And I wanted to get a downhill bike, but my dad hat for Christmas made me pay for half of it. And then I couldn't ride it until Christmas. Hmm. And then, and then I just started. Yeah. And then I just started kind of racing a local series called Fontana in the beginner class and kind of just fell in love with it. That's awesome. Um, who did you look up to in the scene growing up? Cause that Fontana scene's just a super vibrant scene. I, I remember just always seeing like, obviously like Gwen, but like even like Dooley and them I always thought they were like so cool. Cause they always had these like cool, like cool bikes and helmets and stuff. And I always wanted that. Yeah. They had the sweet gear. Yeah. Well, when did you get hooked up with Brian Lopes? I know you mentioned that he's your trainer and, and has been for quite some time. So he has a website and I think when I when I was in seventh grade, my dad just like kind of asked him if he could just kind of train me, give me some tips. And we kind of just started a relationship there. And now he's, he's more of, he still trains you. Like he trains me full time, but he's more of like a family friend. Like we've created a really great relationship together and he's, he's just amazing. So how long did it take you to like be going faster than Brian? Like when did you finally start dropping him? Uh, or will he even like, admit that you can drop him? No, he will, he'll admit <laughs> it. But probably like just a couple of years ago, like 2021, but there's still some trails he'll drop me on. And, he, and especially on like fitness wise, he's way more fit than me. So he still has me on that. Oh, he's an animal. Um, oh, he's an animal. I mean, what are the chances we can get him to come out of retirement and race pro dual slalom at Ride Rock Creek? Dude, we've been, I don't know, but he wanted to show up to nationals uh, last year to race. He asked me for a bike but he didn't mm-hmm. okay but we've been trying to get him me and my friend colin have been we've kind of we want him to race uh masters world champs oh for sure this guy is he's done it one time but he needs to do it again <laughs> how would you say your riding style is different than someone like brian because i mean brian's been riding uh for decades upon decades i mean he came up in a time when the bikes were completely different yeah. i mean you can't even compare the bikes no and you're you came up in the modern age He's very, like, very smooth style, like BMX, like manual, a lot of things. He's, like, definitely, trans- like, I've definitely learned a lot of that, how to be smoother. But I'm more of just, I'll point my bike down the hill and try and go f- as fast as I can through anything. I don't try and, like, oh, maybe I'll manual this, make this smoother. I just try and, like, go as fast as I can through things that are in front of me. You know, growing up in that scene, and, I mean, there's just so many young riders in Southern California who were some some guys you were battling it out with, like at a young age? And are are any of them still around, or do you kind of think back and like, man, there was this one guy that when we were twelve, he was killing it. 
there was a couple like really fast kids but they don't race like world cups but i remember i used to always ride with my friend colin like he used to live in arizona but he'd come down we'd shuttle and race together so he's like he's like someone i've always just grown up riding with well it didn't take you long to uh bust onto the national scene uh you went to your yeah. first national championships in 2017 and then you ended up winning four i think you won four out of six that you've been to yeah yeah, I think because I want, yeah, because I, yeah. Let's see. I mean, I've got it right in front of me. Yeah, you won four out of six. Um, yeah. And your first one was at Snowshoe in, in 2017. <laughs> I mean, tell us about that. You were in the 11 12s. Um, Ralito yeah. Gutierrez was second, and Colin Mullally was actually third. Yeah, so cause I remember when I was the year before, I was like, my dad's like, do you want to go? This was a mammoth. And I was like, no, like, if I'm going to go to the bike park, I'm just going to ride for fun. Like, I wasn't really into like the fully like racing yet. But then this, the next year, 2017 came around and I, I, we wanted to go and you know, I didn't know anything about snowshoe. I just watched some videos and it looked fun. And I remember thinking the road gap at the top was like one of the biggest things ever. <laughs> and now it's like nothing, but it's like one of the biggest things ever. But that race, it rained so much. Oh, yeah. I remember just in my race run, just getting like, just wanted to make it down and I ended up winning, but like that was the goal was just to make it down. <laughs> Nice. Yeah, and I was I was looking at who else was in that field. It wasn't a huge field. I mean, it's the 11 no, 12 class. No, it was class. like four riders, I think. But um, do you still keep in touch with Raulito Gutierrez? Because I was I, looking at his results, and he was at the XCO World Championships in 23. Yeah, when I used to race, because I used to race downhill and cross country at the same time until 2018. And I would still see him, and I, like, we'd still talk, but I like, don't like keep in touch. But like, we, if we see each other at a race, we'll definitely just like talk for a little bit. Nice. Well, let's talk about some of these other national championship performances over the years. You have four wins, that one in Snowshoe, two in Winter Park, and one at Ride Rock Creek. Do you have a favorite of those four national championship wins? I think 2021 in Winter Park because in 2018, this was in Snowshoe, I qualified first, but it rained. And I'm from Southern California. I was still kind of like, I would say new to racing, so I did not know how to ride mud at all and just crashed everything so i lost and then 2019 went to winter park and my friend evan was so much bigger than me he beat me by i think 16 seconds yes he did that's exactly Massive. right i did i looked and that up before i was the interview. so mad i was just like are you kidding me how could that happen and so when i beat him in 2021 i was because that was the first time i've ever beaten him so that was like one of my most like memorable races <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, yeah. They they shortened the course a good bit because 2019, oh my. it was, well, it was, was a seven-and-a-half-minute track. Most, miser most miserable track I have ever ridden. <laughs> and it was, like, pedally for the Cat 2s and had an altitude. It was, like, halfway down, you're, like, feeling oh, like you shouldn't be done. So that, that was actually going to be my question about that track. So you were on the top half of the Cat 2 track. And then yeah. it came together, and I think they kind of finished on the same track. But yeah, like, because I was like going between my downhill bike and my enduro bike, and I should have got my enduro bike. But mm -hmm. <laughs> it was there was like an uphill pedal in the middle. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I, I remember. I did some practice laps on that track. Um, my wife Caroline was racing that year. Yeah. She ended up getting fourth place by like less than a second. Oh. And, you know, fourth place doesn't do anything in national championships. Yeah. So it was it was just wild. Yeah. Well, 
Speaking of Winter Park, you also you did a dual slalom national championship out in Winter Park. And if I remember correctly, it was like pretty stacked. I think you were yeah. I think it was like an eleven to fourteen class, but I announced that race and well, I, did, I did that one. I think I did a uh, fifteen eighteen too. Cause I did the I did both years or the first two years it was there. Yeah, yeah. Well in, in twenty nineteen, that's when you're in the eleven to fourteen. And I was looking back at that. You got bronze, um, and Evan won. Yeah, so I guess to your Evan point, won. he was beating you all the time. <laughs> oh, everywhere. Yeah, because like me and Brian would do pump track sessions all the time. So he's like, "Just race it, why not?" And I was just on like a my pivot, like enduro bike. But we like made it to like so I could do it. And I remember I like got beat going in the finals. And like who, my run, who that sent I did you this, to the semis? That was did one of the it? Malin brothers. Oh yeah, Luke Malin. Yeah, but the my run in the semi or my run for third place was way better than my run to get into the finals. So I was like really bummed about that. But in when I was 15, 18, 2021, I like one of my friends just let me borrow his Norco, but it was like built for slalom. And I almost like got to the post. I think I got fourth or something, but I was like pumped because I didn't even train for slalom. I just wanted to do it because why not? Yeah. I mean, you guys had such an interesting class. Uh, I think like Finley Kirschman was racing and then he's like a pro yeah. slope style racer now. Or yeah. He's, I know. I've seen videos of him. He's crazy on, on a slope style bike. And, uh, yeah, you, you guys were going all out. Like, I loved those junior dual slaloms. And the tracks at Winter Park were, they were really fast. Like, I mean, borderline yeah. dangerous. Like, yeah, really I think fast. maybe it, they're so tight and the berms were not built high enough. <laughs> well, you had more success in Winter Park in 2022, the shorter course again, but it was your first year in 1718. You ended up with, you won your class for the national championship, but your time was killer. You ended up fourth place in pro, 6.9 seconds back from the winner, Dakota Norton, five and a half seconds back from Aaron Gwynn. And uh, you ended up beating Dante Silva in that one. And Dante was already like coming out and qualifying for some yeah. World Cups. Yeah. How did that uh, make you feel to get that result and see your time kind of creeping closer to the top pros? Yeah, that result for that season was exactly what I needed because I was that was my first year junior and I was kind of struggling up to that point. I got tenth in Andorra, but I really wasn't doing anything crazy. But when I got that result in Winter Park, yeah. my confidence was way up. And from then on, I didn't, I was wasn't outside the top five at World Cup races or World Champs. So that race was so helpful. Nice, yeah. That that's interesting to know because I, I saw that in the results from your twenty twenty two World Cup season. And yeah, you ended up finishing that season with three podiums in a row. Your season best that year on the World Cup in 22 was a second place at Val de Sole. Like you said, snowshoe podium, Mount St. Anne podium. Well, those and junior, those are not podium, but top five. Oh, still. top five. So, yeah. Yeah. Which is fine. Yep. Fifth at snowshoe, fifth at Mont St. Anne. And I was going to ask you what kind of clicked to get you that consistency, but it sounds like that weekend at Winter Park helped. It, yeah, it just kind of got me back in the mindset that, like, I can win or, like, I can definitely do good. Because, like, World Cups are hard. You know, you're going against the best in the world. So it's going to be harder to win and harder to do better. So it's like I kind of was, like, almost – I was just losing a little bit of confidence every race until mm -hmm. national championships. Yeah, I mean, confidence does so much uh, for folks in downhill. Like, there's the physical piece of it. Like you said, the training, you got to get your bike right. But – um 
I mean, how much does having that confidence matter? Can that even like overcome like maybe a, a bike setup that might not be ideal if you just feel in your heart that you can do it that week? Yeah, I think honestly, confidence is the most important thing you need because you can have everything. You can be training good, riding good, but if you can't be confident in your race run, then you're not going to perform as good as you should. Yeah, no doubt. Well, speaking of great performances, you had a great performance at World Championships in 2022 in Leger. Yes. And from all of us that were watching at home, I mean, we could feel the energy that was at that event, you know, watching the scenes on Red Bull TV. But uh, what was that experience like for you? Because that that would have been your first World Championships race. Yeah, that was it was such a crazy race. Like I remember when Bruni crossed the line like it was nothing like I've ever seen before in downhill. And, like they're like the police works get escorting them to like the podium. It was crazy. Yep. Yeah. The, the French domination. Oh yeah. I, I don't know if we'll ever see something like that again. I mean, uh, I don't know. The U S scene is coming up pretty strong. So maybe we could see a U.S. one, two, three at world champs. That, that would be great. <laughs> not, not, I don't want like, that's one thing I, I want more is just yeah, get all the U S boys up there. Awesome. Like I said, you had a great result there, um, although it was really close to oh. an amazing result. I think you were 2,300s off yeah, of bronze. Yeah, 0.02. Yeah, cause that, so I remember we had like a meeting with Brian like the week before I went, and he just said, it's world champs, it's one race. Just either go for the win, you get a good result, or you crash, and it's just, it's just world champs. So it doesn't really matter. So like, you're right. And I was feeling really good that week, and I got sixth in qualifying. And and then it rained, like the night or day before on the race. And I remember the track that morning was, it was the most slippery track I've ever ridden, like in racing up to that point. And it kind of dried out, but I was seated like to drop at the end, I think, because of UCI points or something. So I didn't know how to gauge the track. Mm. So I was just like in my head, just I'm just gonna go as fast as I can. And if I make it down on two wheels, I make it down on two wheels. But if I crash, I crash. And I ended up putting down on a really good run. So I was, I was like pumped with it. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't win them all. And it is like as no. heartbreaking as it is to, to be that close to a medal. Uh, thankfully, you know, we think you're going to have quite a few more shots to redeem yeah, yourself on you. that one. I remember I like saw him coming across the line and I like thought I got him, like beat him. But I was like, okay, so that's like, I got fourth or something. But then I saw you like beat me. I'm like, oh, and then I didn't realize until after Jackson crashed, I was like, I'm, I was only 0. 0.02 off the podium. Like, I was like, there's no way. <laughs> mm. Well, you, you didn't let that get you down. You know, like you said, you finished that season super strong. You had the second place finish at Val de Sol in 2022. After that Val de Sol result, did you kind of know it might be on for 23? Yeah. I, well, especially after World Champs, I was like, okay, I'm a top five rider. There's... I've gone top five of the past three races. I can get top five. And actually, literally the week going into Val de Sol, my mechanic, he like would paraglide and he had a big accident and like went into a mountain and stuff and like broke like, I know he like shattered his heel and like some other like broke up something else big. So like wow. I had to use an enduro mechanic, but I was like, okay, I'm going to do this race for him. And then I got a podium when I was just, that was like that run was like the best I've ever ridden a bike up until that point. Like it was like no pressure, just went as fast as I could, and it was it was insane. That track is just amazing. Yeah, if if only it was videoed. 
I know. <laughs> Where's that dude? footage? Tell me about it, dude. <laughs> Tell me about it. <laughs> I actually heard that Red Bull used to film the juniors. Um, really? It, but it, that was their camera test. So they, they oh. would film the juniors because they were testing everything. Um, and, and maybe it was they would film qualifying too. But yeah, like apparently there was a lot of stuff that was filmed, but it was just part of the testing of the equipment. Yeah. And I, I think I heard, I think my dad said something about, and Lord, someone was going to try and film the juniors with GoPros, but they didn't let them. <laughs> Filming a race with GoPros, that sounds familiar. That's how we started the gravity yeah. cooperative thing oh, yeah. when, when Nico started filming downhill southeast. <laughs> it works. Yeah, and it does. The downhill southeast videos, they are great. I love watching them. Well, let's roll on to 2023 then. Sounds um, good. Because you were at a downhill southeast early in the season that year. You were at Rock Creek, and it was in April. And we had quite a heavy hitting field for that one. Um, yes. You know, Luca lives right there, right around the corner. Aaron was there. Uh, you were there. And you had been doing a little bit of training at Rock Creek prior to that, right? Yeah. I Before Windrock National, I went out there for like just like the weekend with one of my with colin and we met like dante and all them out there we just rode the track for a little bit nice uh well what do you think of rock creek uh i i think the track's amazing i love it big compressions fast i love it (laughs) yeah well and you you gotta hopefully you've got enough time to uh, ride some of the other bike park stuff uh when you come back for national champs yeah because that was the bike park was like in its infancy you know, they had opened it in November of 22, yeah. and then we had that race in April. It's like all – they were mainly working on the national championships track and a little less on the bike park stuff. But, I mean, Rock Creek, the way I describe it, I mean, it's like, you know, a lot of bike parks are have, you know, a ton of machine-built trails, and, and they got machine-built jump lines and stuff. But they've also got trails that just kind of feel like you're in the national forest with rake-and-ride type stuff. Yeah. No, that, yeah, Rock Creek's cool. They just have a bunch of like off trails that you can do. You can find a loamer here and mm-hmm. there. But one of the blue trails there is super fun. We we rode like just a couple of the trails while we were there, but we mainly rode the downhill track. Well, and it's funny. I, I've actually not ridden that downhill track. It's it's intense. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I feel like I have to be ready. Now, I've walked it plenty of times, but the uh, the few times that I, I've gotten up there, you know, after baby Shiloh was born, you know, we've been busy, but we have gotten to Rock Creek, but I've just. I just wanted to chill and ride the other trails. So yeah, no, for sure. And it's, I wouldn't say it's like too hard of a trail. It's just there's some there's some sections on the track that when we race, it's like can be scary, get a little hectic. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Well, and you had a great national championships again in 2023, yes. which was at Rock Creek. That downhill southeast race was kind of like a little tune-up. But yeah, at the 2023 national championships. You were turning a lot of heads. Uh, I'll just say that. There were uh, quite a few pro racers that were like, wait a second. Is he allowed to podium in pro? Hmm." (laughs) (laughs) Which which technically 17, 18 juniors can, which I won't even pretend to like understand exactly how all that works. I just know that technically you can. And uh, I heard some conversations that folks were, uh, they, they were a little worried. Yeah, I I ended up fourth again, like maybe a second or less off the off the the final podium. Mm-hmm. But I was I was just happy to win that run that race again. Yeah, uh, great performance there. But I got a trivia question for you: Who was the last U.S. junior 
to be the fastest on the day at national championships? Ooh. I want to I want to say it. I don't I have no idea, but I want to say like Luca. Uh, the answer is none other than Mr. Nico Malali back in 2011. Dang. 2011. Dang, that's uh, 13 years ago. That's a long time <laughs> ago, but that's good. If you, be, if you beat all the pros, then that's, that's really good. Yeah, 2011, Beach Mountain. Gwen crashed. It was super wet, really wet. Yeah. Beach Mountain's in North Carolina, kind of in the, we call it the high country. So Rock Creek's in the southwest part of the state. This is like the north um, northern mountain part okay. of the state. And uh, Nico had the top time on the day, one second faster than Logan Bingley. Um, Gwen still ended up second place. However, back then, they wouldn't give Nico the pro win. I don't know why, but like it was. Well, I think think they just started doing that like recently because they would do it for like UCI points or something because you get a lot more UCI points for pro than you do in junior. Mm, Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're both UCI categories. Yeah. Because I remember. In 2022, when I got fourth, I got so many UCI points because they put me fourth in pro. And that's why you got to go last at or towards the end at World Champs. Exactly, which probably helped me a lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I guarantee you it did. And, uh, you know, back when Nico was a junior, he was racing World Champs at Mont St. Anne, and he, he didn't get many UCI points because there weren't any UCI races in the U.S. And that actually, yeah. like, that kind of put him at a disadvantage. It was the year he got a silver medal to Troy. Um, but he went like really, really early and Troy went late and like conditions, conditions changed a lot. I mean, Hey, you can't take anything away. Troy was the fastest man on the day. But now that you explain that, it kind of makes sense, um, that you get those UCI points. Dropping at the end also, I mean, for some people it could be make them more nervous, but some people can give them confidence because they know they're one of the faster riders. Yeah. Oh, no doubt. Which can make a lot big difference. Yeah. If you can rise up to that challenge. (laughs) Uh, another little tidbit of trivia, just because uh, I gotta gotta school the the youngsters a little bit. Oh, yeah. Back in 2011, um, Luca and Walker were in the 15, 16 age group. However, neither one of the Shaw brothers won the 15, 16 national championship that year. Got any guesses on who beat them? I have no guesses. <laughs> I'm so bad on the history of downhill. None other than Logan Malali. Really? Yeah. Damn. <laughs> I came across that when I was doing the research for the podcast. I was like, oh, I got to put that on the airwaves. You have to. Logan's legit. <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't know that. I'm so bad, though, with the history. Like, so bad. <laughs> we do a lot of trivia for uh, prize giveaways at Downhill Southeast. So, Downhill Southeast, folks, if you're listening, we're going to use those questions for sure. <laughs> yeah, definitely need to. Well, let's flip over to your 2023 World Cup campaign. And, I mean, what else to say than... It was an amazing season for you. It was so fun to watch as a fan. Ended up with those four wins in a row, rounds four through seven, including that win on home soil at Snowshoe. You were only off the podium twice in the entire eight-round season. What helped you stay consistent at the top level in 23? Well, it was kind of funny, like that we talked about in 2022 was national championships was like kind of like a turning point. Well, in 2023. My best result was Valdisol, which I got second with the crash, but that was right before the break. Mm-hmm. So, which gave me a lot of confidence. But then I won nationals again, so I was like, okay, I can win. So then, uh. world champs, I qualified first, but I, I crashed, so I couldn't race, which was it was probably that was probably the worst thing ever. But then going into Andorra, I was like, I didn't know how I would ride. I was too afraid. Maybe I was riding would ride too timid. 
but I ended up when I qualified first, I was like, okay, I got this. And then after I won that one time, I was like, I can do this. Like, what, there's no reason I can't do this. And so after that, I just was just confident in myself and the, my ability. And obviously, kind of got lucky in Lunaville, but I was the fastest in qualifying. But snowshoe was definitely, I wanted to win that. Just because it's like the U.S., like all the fans are there. It was That was like probably the best win of the season. And it's it's so fitting because that's where you won your first national championship. No, perfect. When you were 12 yeah. years old. That was like funny. That's what like my team GT like kind of just they didn't ever post it, but they made a video like that was my first ever national championships, and I won the o- World Cup overall title at Snowshoe with that race. So it was pretty cool. How how were the fans? Were you like chatting folks up in the pits? Were folks uh, talking to you all weekend? Uh, I wouldn't say like that. Like not all weekend, but definitely like after the race, there's a lot of people I was just like kind of talking to and like get photos and stuff, which was really cool. There was something else pretty special about that uh, podium in snowshoe because you were up there with Evan Medcalf. Uh, what was yeah. that like? That was it was one of the probably one of the best feelings because I remember in Leger when he got his first podium. I was like I was m- honestly probably more happy for him because I he'd like so close and when I got it, I was like let's go like he got a podium, but then in snowshoe I was like America's Americans won two on the podium even though I just got it from him I just got the win from him at the end of that run but it was nice to have one two on the podium for that for that race yeah man that that was really special and uh, uh I'm personally heartbroken that we're not going back to snowshoe I mean or I that know. we just don't even have a, a race in the U.S. Oh, no, I'm bummed about it <laughs> yeah and and I can tell you the folks at snowshoe tried so they they won it back yeah. they won it back in a well, bad it just, way it just feels good to be like in the states when we're in Europe all year racing just to be like kind of somewhere familiar yeah, oh, for sure, and, like, give you guys just a little bit of home field advantage because you y'all exactly. are playing on other people's home turf the entire year. Yeah, exactly. So it's, like, just some – and none of – the Europeans do not like it. They do not like snowshoe. <laughs> I know. It's the oppo- opposite <laughs> of what they ride. So it's nice for us to have a little advantage on some of that. Yeah, I mean, because even if it might not be your favorite type of terrain, you just know that they're all thinking, like, oh, this is hard. And exactly. uh, if you can capitalize on that, then that's an opportunity. I know, and my one of some like my favorite things is they always say, "Oh, it's like your home track," but it's like almost as long of a flight for me to get there as it is yeah. for them. <laughs> exactly. Well, man, let's let's talk about twenty twenty four. Perfect. We've already got one month behind us. I mean, I, I think it, it's fair to say you're going to be at all the World Cup rounds this year yeah. with the new Mondraker Factory squad. Yeah, going to all the races. And which will be good. I think it'll be really fun to have a new program, kind of something to freshen up for my first season in Elite. Oh, yeah. What uh, what U.S. races do you have on the calendar? Are you going to be able to uh, do any of the domestic races? Yeah, I'm going to be doing, the, obviously, the Windrock National. That's yep. kind of a must. Love doing that race. And then I want to try and do one of the monster rounds. It's hard cause with the World Cup season. But maybe, do, I know there's probably one in SoCal, mm-hmm. so if I'm home, that's not that far from me. So I'll try and go and do that one. But yeah, I like to I like to do more U.S. races, but it's just so hard with the World Cup season that it, I just wh- when I have time to be home during the World Cup season, I like to be home. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Well, I mean, U.S. fans will be able to watch you on the Gravity Cooperatives race replay from Tennessee National. We'll have the yep. crew out there, and um, yeah, I don't know if you were able to check out many of the videos from last year, but like we we've upped the game. 
We've got like yeah. a full crew of filmers. We've got the main core group and other people are coming out of the woodworks to help us. I think we were at like 15 camera angles was kind of our yeah, baseline. No, those videos are very good. Like you get like the splits and you get everything. You get to see almost all of the track. It's They're really good videos. Yeah. And we're really stoked about the national championships video for this year. Our, our producer lives like 20 minutes away. Um, oh, so nice. I mean, that's like, we're going to be crashing at his house. Um, <laughs> but, but <laughs> yeah. he knows that track inside and out. So, I mean, I would expect full top to bottom coverage at national champs. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I think top to bottom coverage is what, I know it's hard at the world cups because you can't get every rider top to bottom, but it sucks. Like going to look back at your run and it's like, you get like 20 seconds. <laughs> You want to be able yeah. to like watch it and just, which is, but which is like really cool if you get the full thing. Yeah. And even from a, a commentator's perspective, like you said, like a split will pop up and all of a sudden someone's way down and like, oh, yeah. well, what happened? Dang. Like we, we missed it. We didn't get to see it. And exactly. to your point, you kind of have to see every section if you want to know what happened. Yeah. Yeah. And just, even if people who don't like know much about downhill watch it, like if people know about downhill and they see someone's down, then they probably know like, Either they just weren't as fast or a mistake happened. But if you don't know about Donald, then you're just like, oh, what happened? Well, in 2024, you know, dare I say you're you're kind of becoming a veteran at this World Cup thing because you've been on the circuit for uh, two full seasons as a junior. Yep. Now your first year elite. Uh, we've got some pretty high profile U.S. juniors that'll be making their debut, particularly Asa Vermet, you know, a guy yeah. that's uh, really come on the scene hard the last couple of years. And he's on Nico's Frameworks program. What kind of advice would you give Asa uh, or, or any other junior that's like going into their first year of World Cups? I think like just some advice I'd give is take your time and don't you and the tracks are you can go faster than you think you can go. Like you can it's a lot safer to let it open, like let it go and learn hmm. from other riders. Hmm. Learn, OK, like this rider's probably going to go fast or just so you know, like you don't need to focus on them as much. You can focus on yourself. Nice. Nice. Yeah. I can imagine very first time at the big show getting between the tape that it could be pretty yeah. easy for a junior rider to, to just get way too stoked. <laughs> exactly. That's why I just like, if you just focus on yourself and like, just, just do a good run for you. Don't do a good run for anyone else. Do it for you. And if you're happy with it, then that should make you do good. Nice. Um, who are some other up and coming U.S. downhill riders that you think will have a breakout year? I don't know if you've kind of seen some other junior riders that are really coming on strong, or maybe even some some first year elites that are U.S. riders. I, I think well, there's another kid, Ryder Lawrence. He'll do. I think he'll do really good. But just going into elites, I think Evan Metcalf. He, he mm-hmm. got a couple podiums. I think he'll do good. And I think and my buddy Colin. He's been training really hard, so I think he'll do a lot better than he has that he did last season. Nice, nice. Yeah, we'll be on the lookout for Colin McCallia and Evan Megcalf for sure. Evan still got the Evolve Racing program going in 24? Yeah, yeah him and Colin are on it, so definitely watch out for them too at the World Cups. Nice. Well, what's been your favorite part of being a pro rider so far? I mean, I know you were racing juniors the past two seasons, but you're on a factory team. You've you know pretty much been living the pro uh, rider lifestyle, which yeah. I know is probably a dream come true for you. What's been your favorite part? I think my favorite part is just not, I don't know. There's a, there's a lot of good parts, but maybe just not stressing about things you don't have to stress about. Like when you get done with practice, it's kind of getting a good relationship with your mechanic and it's knowing that everything for your race runs is going to be good. Like you don't have to stress. You can just show up, 
ride the bike and whatever de- whatever details and help you need they'll help you out which i think is really helpful in downhill like just being able to focus on the track and the race it, i think it helps a lot yeah for sure because there's a ton that goes into those weekends i mean you've got to eat as well as you can you got to keep your bike rolling yeah. not only for practice but like as soon as you're done riding it, it's like it's got to be worked on and it's got to yeah. get dialed to get thrashed on exactly. again the next day yeah and I just love the support from like the team. Like it's just really good knowing that everyone's there to support you, be on the track, help you out in every way. So I think kind of just support is the one of the best things I like about just being a pro or just being on a team. Nice. What is your superpower on a bike that helps separate you from other riders? Like what do you do really special that you think kind of gives you an edge? I think I'm really good at just going straight through rock gardens like that helps super rough track <laughs> like super rough tracks i'm really good at being able to just put my bike down the hill and just let the brakes go do you think that's a product of like the riding around where you live or some something else like when I you were growing I, up i don't know i think it's just like just how i've kind of just maybe just started riding because like some people are better at like more bike skill like not skill but like more they like moving the bike around more I was kind of like pointing the bike down the hill and let it go. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. I, I think uh, all the guys on the Mondraker factory program are going to be pretty good at doing that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Ronan Dakota. Really good. So what's your mindset going into this season? I don't know. Are you thinking about picking up right where you left off? I mean, why not? We've seen some juniors, you know, yeah. particularly last year, just transition straight to elites and, and be able to compete. I want to, yeah, I, obviously that would be amazing if I could do that, but I just want to put down some really good consistent results, top 20s, to maybe a podium. Like I've wrote some goals down that I really want to achieve, but I, I think just not like, oh, I have to win. Just like, just like I said, just ride, like just kind of put a run that I'll be happy with Okay. and just ride like I know how to ride because if I would put too much pressure on myself, then I tend to be a little more hesitant than I should be. Gotcha. Gotcha. Very wise words from a young 19 year old. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> well, so what, what's the rest of your, uh, kind of preseason training look like? Uh, what, you, you said you are going to make a trip over to, uh, Tennessee. You got that on the calendar? Yeah. For the national. So I'll be there for the national and I know I'll have probably another team camp around beginning of March that I've heard of, but just kind of doing the same thing, this downhill and kind of just training with Brian nice until the season starts just make sure i'm ready to go well when you're in tennessee uh, i don't know if you've been in touch with dakota but i've been listening to the b practice podcast that he does it sounds like he's got like a full-on supercross track at his house i mean uh, would you jump on a pit bike and get in on that as <laughs> as much as i would love to do it i don't know if i would because i just don't want my i don't want to get hurt doing something that I would regret doing. Yeah, those, those boys go pretty hard on the pit bikes. <laughs> they do. They look fun. It looks fun, but it looks like more of an off-season activity for me. Well, yeah, if, if you've got some time and you you need an off day from downhill at Windrock, they've got like some awesome paved pump tracks and paved jump lines yeah. actually in Knoxville, just like 35 yeah. minutes down the road. Yeah, I I spent about a little over a month there in 2022. I never. I didn't end up going to any of the pump tracks, but I, um, yeah, so I just spent some time there training, which is really nice. 
Awesome, Ryan. Well, man, we're so looking forward to seeing you out on the World Cup circuit on the brand new Mondraker Factory program. We'll be cheering for you hard, my friend. Uh, thank you so much for coming on to the Gravity Cooperative's hot seat. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you for having me. It was uh, really fun to discuss everything. Awesome, man. Well, we'll see you at the races soon. Yes, you will. So, Ryan's had a pretty good junior career, and this is going to be his first year elite. I feel like he's probably one of the most mature junior racers I've ever witnessed. I'm kind of curious to see how that evolves into his professional career. Drew, I have to agree. That was a pleasure to interview Ryan. Uh, super fun, and like you said, he's a he's a really mature young racer, and it makes sense. I mean, he's got uh, Brian Lopes in his corner, who's been helping him develop his race craft um, ever since he was at a young age, and it really shows on the racetrack, and it shows on the interviews too, because he was just really professional. B- Brian, who? I mean, some guy named Brian Lopes, Drew. I don't know if you're uh, if you're under the age of. 35. I don't know if you remember the legend that is Brian Lopes, but uh, I heard the old guy's still pretty fast on two wheels. That dude's got some titles to his name. Sure does. Maybe as uh, Pinkerton alluded, he'll come out of retirement for that Masters World Championships run. That just wouldn't be fair. But man, I gotta say, doing the interview was such a pleasure, and to me, my favorite part about doing this podcast so far is just um, telling the stories of the people that are part of U.S. downhill racing And I think that's really important as we build our sport here. We develop these cast of characters so the fans can be invested um, in these racers and their futures. So we want to bring you guys the heroes, the underdogs of the sport. And I hope you enjoyed that interview with Ryan and that you guys follow his career as it continues to develop. Yeah, so I do have one question that's kind of lingering there about the rule that if you race junior, your time could be considered for elite in situations like national championships. Yeah, it's an interesting rule. And I reached out to a couple friends after the interview um, because I wanted to learn a little bit more about it. I mean, as you know, Drew, and some of the listeners, you all might know that I've announced quite a number of U.S. national championships. So I've known about this rule and kind of seen it potentially come into play. And it came into play in our elite women's race this year, or excuse me, last year, Ride Rock Creek with Kale Cushman uh, being 18 years old, but having the third fastest time of the day. So she stood on that UCI elite podium. And the basics of this rule are that in downhill, in the discipline of downhill, the UCI category begins at 17. So 17 and up It's an international license for a UCI license, and the UCI does not formally recognize a junior category. Now, for us that follow the World Cup, we obviously know there is a junior category at World Cup racing, um, but that is just for the World Cup. As I mentioned, it's not an official UCI designation, but the World Cup series has chosen to have a 17-18 category, and it's the same thing at national championships. So it's up to the governing body, USA Cycling, if they would like to award an age group national champion for 1718, which they do. They award a jersey for 1718, just like, you know, they they can choose to award a jersey for 35 to 39 or, you know, 41 to 43. You know, whatever age group the national sanctioning body wants to do, they can make those decisions. However, in the eyes of the UCI, when they get that results sheet, that result sheet is showing everyone's time from 17 and up, 
And so if your time's the fastest time and you're a 17-year-old with that UCI license, then you're going to be the official national champion in the UCI's eyes. Wow. So I want our audience to know, especially the racers that might be young, take note of that. Do with that information what you might need to do. But that is, uh, that's definitely some good stuff to know if you were, you know, somebody young and really fast, like, you know, I don't know, Ace of Vermette. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be spicy at the 2024 National Champions, uh, National Championships for sure. But Drew, I've got a story about, um, about Nico Malali back in 2011. We talked about it in Ryan's interview. Uh, but on that day when Nico was 18 years old, he had the fastest time of the day in Beach Mountain. And he did not know about this rule. And no one really mentioned it at the race that day. He was, you know, stoked. He won the junior title and he, he knew he had the fastest time of the day, but just didn't know it had any significance. And he did not know about the rule until he showed up at the first World Cup in 2012, which was in Peter Maritzburg, South Africa. He got in the gate to take his race run and the UCI official said, well, hey, where is your USA jersey? Like you're the national champion. You will get fined if you race without the Jersey. And Nico's like, well, whoa, whoa, whoa. I, I don't know anything about this. Let's just have a conversation about this later. Cause I'm about to do my race run. I can't really comprehend that at the moment, <laughs> but he had to get a Jersey made for the rest of the season and actually race in the national championship Jersey because in the UCI's in their view, he was the national champion. So I thought that was a pretty interesting little tidbit from Nico. That is super interesting. Well, I'm glad we disambiguated that and we can now maybe move forward with that information because the more we know, the better we can use it, right? Yep. Lots of fast young riders out there. It's it's incredible to see. And I think a lot of it has to do with, with the access to downhill riding that just was not there, Drew. Like when you and I were younger, there was bootleg stuff, but now we got bike parks popping up on every corner. Yeah, no, I, I, I've learned about three new ones in our general region in the past two weeks. Well, that's awesome, man. And uh, thanks so much for joining me, Drew. Thank you all for listening. And as Drew said, we got bike parks popping up everywhere. So we hope you guys get out and ride. Until next time, I'm Will Washam with Drew Hager. This is the Gravity Co-op's Hot Seat Podcast. Yep. Thanks for listening. Please follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and your favorite podcast platform. Check us out at the very first race of the season for us, which will be at the Trials Training Center for Downhill Southeast. You might have some merch ready by then, but if not, we'll definitely have it in time for the Tennessee National. That's right. See you guys at the races. Adios.